Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all of you for joining us again on this beautiful Saturday morning throughout the Northern Plains, whether you're listening in Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Minnesota, or any where into the provinces of Canada. We certainly appreciate everybody listening again on your favorite radio station like you do every Saturday morning. If you ever want to re-listen to any of our shows, you can certainly do so. All you need to go to is pifers.com to the Pifers Auction and Realty and Pifers Land Management website. That's P-I-F-E-R-S.com. Click on to our radio banner and you can go into a, any of our previous podcasts. There's around 87 or 88 of them. Go into there, and you can listen to them. Anything to do with land throughout the Northern Plains and into Canada. You can listen to all those previous recordings on our podcasts on either Apple or Spotify. Maya, Maya, what a lot of things happening in this country. And again, uh, next week now, we're going to be talking right after the midterm election. So we are going to have a lot of things to talk about. What, no matter what side of the aisle you sit on or what, uh, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or liberal or conservative, uh, just going to have a nice uh, conversation about a lot of different things that are taking place. And, of course, as you all know, when, when it comes to farmland, there basically are three things that drive farmland values. And we preach that time and time again on our show. That's commodity prices, interest rates, and federal crop insurance, that risk management portion of your farm. And again, having to do with a little bit of supply and demand, as we know, farmland in America, about 1% of it turns hand, turns over into somebody else's hands every year, so about 1%. North Dakota alone, 40 million acres. Look at Minnesota, 50 million acres of farmland. Got a great guest coming on today, too, in a little bit. I'm going to introduce him. We're going to be talking about farmland and hunting in Virginia, too. So we're going to kind of dive into that part of the country out on the eastern seaboard a little bit and talk to Chip Watkins. But I'll introduce him here in a minute. But, he, folks... Uh, the Pfeiffer's farmland auctioneers and real estate agents have been uh, scouring the countryside, uh, all kinds of auctions, 14 auctions this past week now, most of them out in western North Dakota, Slope, Golden Valley, Hedinger, Adams, Bowman, Dunn, and Stark Counties, all kinds of auctions taking place out there. One trend I think that we're seeing a lot of is uh, on the farmland situation in our part of the country is that farmland values continue to be very, very strong. It's a, it's a strong and confident land market, but obviously interest rates has become a big concern to a lot of people, not just farmland buyers, farmland sellers, but also lenders. I had a discussion with a number of different lenders through our four- to five-day trip out in western North Dakota this past week, uh, a part of this part of the country that we really, uh, it's endearing to a lot of us because we like being out there. It's great farm country, great hunting. We're out doing some pheasant hunting and and also uh, put on all these uh, with 14 auctions this past week out in western North Dakota alone. But uh, on the minds of a lot of people, interest rates, obviously. And I know people probably get tired of me talking about it. But, you know, if you were to buy a million and a half dollar farm today, you, uh, you're you going to be paying, well, you know, in your loan to value, you're going to have to borrow a million dollars out of it if you want to, if you don't want to finance it all yourself. Now, that million dollars, if you finance it today, your interest is going to be 65 to $70,000 annually. Just in March of this year, that was probably going to be around thirty dollars to $35,000, maybe at the most forty. So darn near double where we were just in March. So one has to kind of take an interesting look at all of this and wonder, 
you know, really with the central bankers in charge of interest rates, is it really good for America? Is it a good thing that they drive these interest rates? Look at a 30-year residential mortgage nearing almost 7%, 3.5% in March and April of this year. The 10-year Treasury well in excess of 4%, the highest it's been in decades. And so, again, when you take a look at what's going on, on the interest rate side of things, trying to finance these purchases. Um, you talk about inflation. Uh, when it comes down to the bottom line, whether you're borrowing money to operate, to put in a farm next year, and we all know what it takes to put in a soybean, corn, and wheat crop up in this part of the country. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to do so. And if you have to borrow that money, that all gets subtracted from the bottom line. So again, a lot of concerns, especially with the Federal Reserve now meeting again in November and December, contemplating, and there'll be lots of contemplation on this, whether or not they're going to raise rates 50 or 75 basis points. I think it's a foregone conclusion they're going to go up. It's just a matter of what. We could see that prime lending rate that was at 35 in March, now at 6 and a quarter, easily hit 7, 7.5 by the end of the year. It's going to be, uh, it's going to have a significant adverse effect on the bottom line for the American producer. There's no doubt about it. And for anybody who might be wanting to finance land or needs to finance land if they want to add it to their footprint. Folks, uh, before we talk any more about farmland here in this area, I want to introduce our guests. And then uh, as the show unfolds, I'm going to be talking about some incredible dynamic properties that the Pfeiffer's team has coming up for sale in Ransom County, Wells County, Sheridan and Pierce, Morton County, and Emmons County. Most of those out in central North Dakota are going to be talking about those. But before we do that, I want to bring in our guests today. I'm excited to have them on board. Chip Watkins with Moncuin Creek Outfitters and Land Management out in Virginia. Chip, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning, Kevin. Good. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for being on the show. I know you're a, you're a personal friend of our, our producer on the show, Maurice Covington. Uh, he does a great job for us, and he's uh, spoken very highly of you. And as you know, our listeners know, uh, from time to time, I like to bring guests on from all over the country, whether it's wine country in California or the the cranberry bogs in uh, Wisconsin and or else out into your part of the country. But, hey, Chip, I know you're into the farmland management business. Uh, your company does a phenomenal job managing thousands of acres of forest land and cropland. And then you're also... Uh, an outfitter when it comes to hunting, whether it's waterfall, turkey, deer, or whatever it might be, really want to talk to you about that and, and explore some opportunities that some of our listeners may have out in your part of the country. But how is the 2022 harvest coming out in Virginia? The harvest has come out uh, probably about half as far as we've already finished up corn uh, and and early soybeans that were early varieties uh like a, a long season group uh three and four that a long season bean uh irrigated crops it got really dry here in most parts of virginia in late august and caused a lot of the farming to take off and so a lot of the acreage of uh corn and soybeans have been primarily harvested other than the double crop soybeans that it were behind wheat uh have uh have just waiting on we just had our first frost uh last weekend and uh, and it was the cool temperatures have kind of been about average uh for us but 
it's been dry and uh, we've been getting a few little storms here and there that have helped for cover crops and helped for some wheat uh, to be planted. Um, but all in all, the, the soybeans kind of got hit where they were looking really, really great. That would have been 100 bushel acre beans that ended up being 50. So a lot of good quality soil that had the potential. Everything was looking great. Uh, had about medium yields on some of it, not all of it. Some of the crops have been good. Uh, and about the same with the corn crop, where the corn crop basically had potential, did well. It just missed a few uh, rains that we needed that would have been uh, very helpful uh, in pollinating and helping uh, finish filling out that ear of corn for a higher yield. But all in all, we've we've had a pretty decent crop. We can't complain, you know, any time that you're able to get decent rain and have crops that we haven't been like some of the folks across the Midwest and the South, deep South, that haven't had any rain and crops dried up or either they were too wet, you know. So here in Virginia, uh, uh, in the Tidewater, Piedmont, uh, region, it's it's been very good. We We all can't complain. We've had at least crops to harvest. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer, our guest today, Chip Watkins with Moncuin Creek Outfitters and Moncuin Creek Land Management out in Virginia. Uh, they do a fantastic job. So I don't know if you, many of you have had the opportunity over the years to spend much time out in that part of the country, but again, uh, a spectacular part of the United States uh, for, you know, obviously a lot of us think of Virginia, we think of the of the mountains and the rolling hills and trees, but uh, when you get out there, the big farm country. Uh, uh, you know, Chip, uh, my family out there has interest in vineyards, so how are the vineyards coming along? Uh, I think the vineyards have done well uh, to most of the, the wine country folks. The same thing. They they had uh, rain when was needed, and it was dry for harvesting that uh, most around seem that, you know, they've had a great harvest and a great taste in the grapes, and uh, just everything kind of hit at great timing for pollinating and uh, to help cut down on a lot of fungus, fungicides that, you know, there's a lot of different things in grapes and spraying. And uh, But all in all, it, it was a pretty good productive season for most. Uh, there were some local guys around us with uh, some wineries and distilleries that the wine wine guys have said they've got, uh, some really great tasting grapes this year for uh, making great wine. So all in all, I think the uh, the vineyards have done pretty well this year as well in Virginia. That's awesome to hear. Folks, you're listening to the America's Land Auction here. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. My guest, Chip Watkins, out in Virginia with Mancuin Creek Outfitters and Mancuin Creek Land Management. Glad he could join us. He's agreed to stick around for the entire show. Before we take our first break, I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Land Management for sponsoring our show and our podcasts every week. You can get a hold of Pfeiffer's Farmland and Equipment Auctioneers, their farm real estate agents, and their farmland managers at Pfeiffer's.com. You can email them at info at Pfeiffer's.com. Call them toll-free, 877-700-4099, or go to the website and get a hold of any of their team members. Their farmland managers, real estate agents, and auctioneers are available for a free consultation. Nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's. Nobody. 
does it better. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Piper. We'll be right back after this break. $1,000 bid, $2,000 wear, $1,750 here now too. So you wave for seventeen hundred and fifty. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Chip Watkins from Virginia joining us today, a farmland manager and an outfitter. I really want to get into some discussions with him about hunting, and uh, maybe we can do some reciprocity at some point to get Chip out here into the northern plains and we could hunt some pheasants and geese and ducks and everything and or maybe even some mule deer or whatever it might be but we're going to talk a little bit with him in the third and fourth segments today about that portion of his business uh this gentleman has 25 30 years solid experience farmland management and also in the hunting outfitter business so again want to get his take on a number of things but you know going into the break uh chip was talking about some of the cropping out in virginia and i know this happens in some of the other states but i don't know if you were paying attention folks but you know he was talking about the corn and soybean crop and he was talking about double crop soybeans so uh chip i want to want to get your uh uh, from your lenses, I want to get a, a viewpoint on on drop, double cropping and exactly how that works. And 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 in a in a perfect world, what what would you recommend? Because I know you're in the land management business, but explain that process to our listeners. Uh, so yeah, here in Virginia, uh, we're able to do what we call double cropping with taking a winter wheat and planting that winter wheat. Uh, from, say, a, a field that has had corn, you're able to uh, turbo-till if you're in a land management practice of, of just uh, of turbo-tilling, meaning we're just taking that, that field and, and doing light disking where it's, it's just a, a tillage that is a practice that prevents a lot of erosion to uh, put that mulch, that corn, back into the ground to help build uh, the soil up there, and putting that wheat helps gather some of that nitrogen as well and uh, protects here near the Chesapeake Bay that there, there's a lot of rivers, streams that are in our watersheds that a lot of these creeks and stuff come all the way through the mountains and, and through us all uh, on out to the Chesapeake Bay, which uh, the fishing is a, another crucial part of uh, everyone's ecosystem of having fish, shrimp, and oysters that everybody loves to eat. So doing this double crop, uh, by doing that, you're protecting uh, the soil from erosion. You're putting that winter wheat in. You're able to see what the wheat uh, market might be. The wheat market, as we all know, has been down across the country. Uh, it's come up in some situations, and if the wheat crop doesn't look good, we're able to possibly harvest it as a cover crop that we can hold uh, the seed to put down on our fields where we're able to use that as a cover crop. Um, but then we can come back in, if we harvest that wheat in June, July, we're able to plant soybeans, uh, taking a variety of soybeans uh, that are group three, group four, that are gonna grow there over that July, August, September uh, to reach maximum blooming in 60 days. So you've got your beans making, and then hopefully you get a nice rainfall to fill out those beans. Um, and they'll grow till about now till we get our first frost. And we're about a week away from harvesting some of our 
wheat beans that we would call it our double crop this year uh, here in Virginia. So in 2021, ideally, you, you had a corn crop on there. You harvested the corn. Uh, you did your light disking, you know, to prevent that soil erosion that you talked about, and then also get the mulch in there, get all those nutrients back in the soil there with that turbo tilling. But So then after the corn harvest in 21, that's when you went in and then planted the winter wheat? Yep, that's yep. correct. Planted yep. the winter wheat. Planted the winter wheat, and then you were harvesting that this June and July. So again, you know, in our part of the country, obviously with the shorter growing season, we don't have that ability. So that that is a nice concept. And again, uh, I would imagine chip the uh, you know like here in you know with with crop rotation too. A lot of it, a lot of it comes down to how can you best manage this, obviously for optimum yield. But you also want to focus chip, don't you, on the on the soil health? Yes, that's correct. The soil health becomes a big part of crop rotation, uh, diseases. Uh, as we all know, there's a lot of things that have come out with different types of spraying chemicals, not being able to use certain chemicals, um, and going back to just some of the old school uh, land management of disking or putting a crop out there to help protect and, and prevent weeds so you just don't have open soil space that allows weeds to grow from sunlight when it gets that longer sunlight uh, you've got something there that's protected the soil you've got that wheat growing and then like I said you can come in with the soybeans so you haven't had to do a whole lot uh, hopefully by using those correct practices but rotating those crops help for diseases also help for weed prevention so what would uh, an average or a good soybean crop yield in Virginia? Uh, good is 60 to 80, uh, non-irrigated. Irrigated, you could look at 80 to 120. And, and the primary crops, uh, the annual crops out there, what, corn, soybeans, and wheat, or is there something else too? No, there's a few folks like us that we plant sunflowers. We have found a little small sunflower market uh, for a seed company that buys it for birding. Uh, we're able to use it for our dove hunters. We're able to use it during the summer for sunflower picking. Um, we've helped teach that to some of our local other farmers in the area to do some sunflower picking that, you know, it gives a little diversity to the business where back in the day we were dairy farmers. You used to sell a, a baby calf to someone and you had a little bit of a cash crop uh, as a small farmer to to keep the farm going, and the sunflower is kind of the same thing. We do the sunflower picking, uh, and then we also have a sorghum or milo uh, picking and, and harvesting that as well. Uh, it's just a few of the things that we do, but that's about the main crops. There, there's a few truck farmers in the area that are really big that sell uh, local produce, uh, to our big food line, Walmart chains, um, and they're they're pretty big truck farmers with about 60 uh, personnel, and uh, so they're dealing with a lot more rotation than just a typical grain farmer. Uh, they're having to really rotate crops around with diseases in, in the produce side. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer, joined by Chip Watkins with Man Q and Creek Outfitters and 
Mancuan Creek Land Management out in Virginia. Boy, we appreciate Chip being on board today. He's agreed to stick around for our final two segments. Uh, before we go to our next break, though, I do want to just take a couple of minutes. The Pfeiffer's team has some incredible land auctions coming up in central North Dakota. Uh, the one in Morton County is going to be absolutely incredible. 688 acres of exceptional land. This one here features cropland and pasture land. We're talking soil productivity indexes, some of them in the 70s and 80s. Uh, again, a lot of that Williams uh, Bobels and Williams Reed or loamy soils that we always talk about. Uh, and these farms have wheat, corn, and pea uh, base acres on them. Uh, but this one here in, in, in Morton County uh, is going to be just east of New Salem, North Dakota, right on Highway 10. So you got Highway 10 access uh, just south of I-94. But again, uh, right off of the ex 134 exit on I-94. But a nice farm here. Uh, not a substantially big farm, but 688 acres. A little bit for everybody on that one there. And then in Emmons County, the same day, my oh my, the same day, uh, the Pfeiffer's team going to be offering 1,629 acres over in Emmons County. This one is south of Minokin, uh not too far from Bismarck, the state capital. And we're talking about cropland, pasture land, and hunting land. My, oh, my. This is probably one of my favorite parts of North Dakota because you get you know, you get east of the Missouri, you get a little bit more rainfall. Uh, you got great cropping and great pasture land there. Great, great opportunity. But, again, one in Emmons County, North Dakota, uh, November 1, and 687 acres in Morton County, both the same date. Hey, folks, before we go to our break, I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for sponsoring our show. You can get a hold of the Pfeiffer's team, 877-700-4099, or email them at info at Pfeiffer's.com. Nobody does it better. Nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's, whether they're selling your farmland or equipment or managing your farmland. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. want to thank all of you for joining us here on your favorite radio station. You can also listen to our podcast on Apple or Spotify. All you need to do is go to the Pfeiffer's.com website, P-I-F-E-R-S dot com. Go to the radio banner. Click on any of our previous 87 podcasts. If you want to learn anything about minerals and oil leasing or easements, want to talk about soil health and fertility, want to talk about setting up an estate and or the proper entity for your farming operation, all kinds of good data from from our guests over the course of the last couple of years. So again, I want to appreciate. I do want to thank all of our guests that we've had on our show. And today, I got another great one here. Chip Watkins with us from Mancuan Creek Outfitters and Land Management in Virginia, talking about a lot of the same things that we do in this part of the country. He gave us a little bit of an update on what's going on out there. But you know, one thing we haven't talked about yet, Chip, and uh, that we don't have out here. But I want to talk to you about forest uh, farmland management, the forest management. And also the health of the forests out there. How how does how does the timber industry looking in Virginia? Uh, so the timber industry has kind of uh, taken uh, its ups and downs. Where if you look at the the last fifty year curve uh, in the timber business, it's it's 
feel about the same that our ancestors, our grandparents, everyone has had. Uh, very, very few hardwood forests that are left. Uh, it's it's getting to a point where a lot of folks, when they harvest their timber, they're they're putting a loblolly pine, something that's a much faster growing uh, tree to get a return where uh, you plant a pine tree, you're getting a, a thinning after 15 to 20 years and then a possible another select cut five, 10 years later. So you're getting about three different crops of forestry off of a pine forest by the time you clear cut it and start another rotation where a hardwood track, it takes a hundred years to get a track uh, that grows. It grows a lot slower, um, and the need for hardwood is is you know not as good, not as much anymore. Other than some big uh, folks that are making furniture or or pallets or different things, but even in the housing industry, we we're starting to use a lot of steel uh, frames. Steel they can make steel two by fours that are are used in in production uh so we're seeing that there's not a big increase uh, unless it comes uh to winter time and there's a shortage at a mill uh whether it's a paper mill whether it's a, a, a energy plant that they use the chips uh for and um a lot of those guys just the, the prices change and go up and down, but come wintertime here in Virginia, air prices go up because they have a hard time trying to find a track to get on, where summertime you can get on just about anything, uh, but wintertime slows down the loggers, so they pay a little bit more premium come the wintertime. I would imagine in Virginia, much like uh, the northern plain states, uh, north and south Dakota, Minnesota, the mountain states like Montana, you're seeing a lot of changeover of farmland now from generation to generation, too. As, as the baby boomers now, what, the youngest baby boomer is, what, 59 or 60 years of age, and we're seeing these farms transition. Farms were a lot different for many, many years, diversified farms with corn, soybeans, wheat, dairy cattle, beef cattle, and now they're all more specialized. But I would imagine in your part of the country, you're seeing now as the baby boomer generation gets older, you're seeing a, a major transition of ownership and farmland in Virginia. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, the generation from even my age, uh, the kids uh, that are below me, my my kids, the the farms have slowly dissipated. Family farms are, are no longer active uh the the dairy industry used to be in in just the 1990s uh we would have 15 local dairy farms in our local county and now in 2020 we have one left uh so you take those family farms and and the generation of kids that grew up on farms from farm help to kids that were around it participating some way some mean uh, has has really changed. Yeah, we're seeing that pretty much all over the country. It seems like, you know, again, uh, you know, animal agriculture is, you know, kind of become more of a specialized industry in itself now throughout throughout America, whether you're in Virginia or Wisconsin or North Dakota or California, whatever it might be. And then also the change of ownership of these farms uh, becoming a whole lot different th than it used to be, becoming somewhat more of a business than a family operation. So, Again, not necessarily whether it's good or bad, but, you know, we all like to see that family farm 
uh, operation sustain itself and, and go on for generations to come. But what are the what are land values doing in Virginia, Chip? Uh, land values are, are steadily going up. Um, in some of the rural areas, um, average land, whether it's got timber on it, whether it's farmland, you could be looking at three to $7,000 an acre. Just depends on the area, the soil quality. Um, and then as far as in an area that's developable land for housing, it's trumping the farmland right now because they're getting uh, more return for development as population is, is increasing and the growth of Virginia from folks coming from northern Virginia, from the southern part of Virginia down around Virginia Beach where we've got a lot of our military bases and families uh, are, are moving into the rural areas of New Kent, Caroline County for instance and and even outside of Richmond, uh, the Chesterfield, the Goochling County areas, those counties are growing so fast uh, in population and development can't keep up with uh, the housing. And you can talk apartments from $900,000 to build an apartment for a single uh, or double family um, that is just really getting crazy to a 1,200-foot square foot rancher now costing almost $300,000 uh, that used to be 125000 just 20 years ago. Yeah, and that's something what we've seen throughout the country over the course of the last couple of decades is as rural America, the landscape begins to change. And, of course, you guys have a lot more urban pressure than we do here on the northern plains, but you certainly have seen land values in our part of the country uh, land values, of course, over the last 15 months, just pure farmland values up 30 or 40 percent. We talk a lot about that on our show. So whether you're in Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Montana, if you have really, really good cropland, you know, you see some pretty strong values right now. Like I said earlier in the show, the market remains relatively strong. It's a, it's a confident land market. Uh, but there are a lot of things on the horizon that are, uh, I think, um, maybe topics that are of concern to a lot of different people, you know, whether it's energy prices, the cost of fuel, petroleum-based fertilizer, chemicals, seed, and then obviously interest rates and those types of things. But again, uh, a lot of things that could be putting downward pressure on farm profits going forward into the future here as we uh, as we get ready to close the book in 2022 here before too long. Just kind of an update for everybody, too, in North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota now, and even in western or eastern Montana. As far as harvesting throughout the area, and again, just some general thoughts here uh, for everybody here and just some data that we've been able to ascertain. The sugar beet harvest, of course, uh, basically all but wrapped up in the Red River Valley and both the North Dakota and Minnesota side. So sugar beet harvest, uh, you know, getting a lot of mixed reviews on how harvest was from the southern end of the valley to the northern end of the Red River Valley. Uh, but again, so, you know, reports of tonnage anywhere from, you know, 18 ton to 30 ton an acre, maybe a little bit over here and there, but probably not the crop that a lot of people wanted. Sugar content, we've heard different ranges of that, whether it's 20 to 22 percent or whatever it might be or less. And, you know, again, but again, I think as far as the qual the, the harvest itself was easier this year. Uh, really no weather to deal with. We didn't have any uh, wet uh, soil to deal with, not, not a lot of rain. So again, for the most part, sugar beet harvest was probably about as seamless as one you'll ever see. 
and also with potato harvest. Potato harvest now wrapped up in the Red River Valley on both sides of the Red River in North Dakota, Minnesota, and even up in northern Minnesota now. Talked to some organic uh, potato growers in Minnesota and now wrapped it up here this past week as well. So, again, those major, major cash crops in our part of the country have now been harvested for the most part. Uh, wheat, all the cereal grain is is basically off. Obviously, that that was a fairly decent harvest. We have yet to get any yield reports throughout the region. I would imagine the National uh, Statistic Office out of USDA will be coming with reports soon. Uh, soybean harvest now concluding pretty much all over the region, even into the northern counties into North Dakota and in the southern provinces of of uh, Saskatchewan and Manitoba now we're seeing a lot of that crop being harvested so right now basically a lot of focus now farmers trying to wrap up uh, 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 corn and sunflower harvest obviously Uh, those are about the only crops that remain uh, well into it of course well well into the corn and sunflower harvest and I'm hearing reports uh, kind of varied reports all over some uh, some surprises in the sunflowers a lot of really good yields coming through the sunflowers all the way from central Minnesota throughout all of North and South Dakota into Montana. Good sunflower yields coming through, and corn kind of varied again too, but depending on when that was planted, that the, the different varieties that folks had, you know, whether they had the 85 or the 90-day corn or whatever it might be. But again, we're going to be able to report on all of that fairly soon and in a couple of weeks on our show, uh, give you an update on harvest and where we are. But for the most part, harvesting, getting ready to wrap up in, in a lot of areas of our listening audience. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. With me today, Chip Watkins with Mancuan Creek Outfitters and Mancuan Creek Land Management out of Virginia. He's agreed to stick around and join us uh, for our final segment today. I want to talk hunting with him when we get back. But before we take our break, I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Farm Land Management for sponsoring our show every Saturday morning and all of our podcasts on Apple and Spotify. The Pfeiffer's Real Estate Agents, Auctioneers, and Land Managers, they're ready for you if you need their services. Nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. Been nobody gonna do no thirty five and I have sold it to you right there. Good bird, just great bye. Been on here now, fifty thousand dollar bid now, twenty five bid thirty. Alvin twenty five bid thirty and one thirty thousand dollars here now. Big money now, thirty thousand dollar bid and now five. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Uh, for our final segment today, Chip Watkins with. Moncuin. I pronounced it Mancuin. My fault. It's Moncuin Creek Outfitters and Moncuin Creek Land Management in Virginia. Boy, am I ever glad he's been with us today. First three segments, we talked all about agriculture. Now I want to focus our attention on to some hunting because, you know, a lot of my family and friends and I, we love to go hunting. We love pheasant hunting in North Dakota and South Dakota, deer hunting in Minnesota and North Dakota, whether it's mule deer or white-tailed deer, bear hunting in northern Minnesota, elk hunting in Montana. Uh, but you know what, Chip? Never have had the opportunity to do any hunting in Virginia. So if you could share with our listeners today some of your top two or three hunts that you like to provide through Moncuin Creek Outfitters. Yeah, absolutely. So here at Moncuin Creek, we provide waterfowl, deer, and turkey. Um, We also provide other upland bird hunting with dove and quail on some other farms. But our biggest three are 
waterfowl. With waterfowl, we hunt 12 to 15 species of ducks. On the Atlantic Flyway, we have uh, good numbers of wood ducks, mallards, green wing, blue wing, teal. Uh, we have black ducks. Uh, we have widgeon. We have gadwall. Uh, we have divers that are canvasbacks, bluebills, greater scalp, lesser scalp, um, the uh, redheads. And then we also have uh, another variety of ducks with sea ducks by being on the Chesapeake Bay and some of the tributaries of the Potomac, the Rappahannock, the Piankatank, the York. Uh, we're able to shoot some sea ducks that gives folks another whole opportunity at hunting a whole different duck. Uh, and then we also have the big game of waterfowl, uh, the tundra swan that comes all the way from Alaska that migrates every year to North Carolina, Virginia, uh, and we're able to take folks as they apply for a permit, they're able to uh, call us, contact us, and we're able to set them up on, like I said, a big game opportunity of waterfowl, the tundra swan here. And uh, we roughly harvest 25 to 50 here in Virginia. We harvest probably 50 to 100 in our farm in North Carolina. Um, but here in Virginia, uh, with those uh, waterfowl, you the ducks, the swans. We also have Canada geese. Uh, numbers have been down. So here the last few years, we've only been able to harvest one goose during the uh, hunting season here in Virginia. So it makes it a little bit more difficult to take people, eight folks out and, and shoot one geese goose, and you're done in about five minutes. Um, and uh, And the ducks, all depends on the weather, whether or not we get cold weather up north, drive some ducks on down into Virginia, and we're able to, uh, like I said, have uh, hunting some ducks in October, November, December, and January, and then we do a big youth waterfowl hunt at the end uh, there at February. We have 150 or so kids out. We take them hunting and trying to, trying to introduce them into the outdoors and teaching them about habitat, land management, a part of our business, and protecting those birds for the future. Um, and we, en we enjoy doing that with uh, our youth uh, out here. So as far as the licensing and non-residents, that's not uh, particularly that difficult to get a non-resident hunting license in Virginia or North Carolina? Nope, nope. Uh, it's actually, they have a uh, hunter's little uh, package that I think runs around uh, 180 to $205 is a sportsman's package that as an out-of-stater, you can uh, get your small game license. You have to get a federal uh, stamp, state stamp, and HIP, and that that costs you around 120 to 150 bucks for that. If you're going to hunt big game like deer and turkey, uh, there's cost of $25 for a bow permit, bow license, $25 for a muzzle loader, or $25 for uh, the big game of using a rifle or a uh, shotgun. Uh, and then the same thing for a turkey, that's all included in your big game licenses. Um, and, uh, and that, like I said, is about around 250 bucks if you were to buy a sportsman's package out of state to, to hunt everything. Um, which is a pretty good deal, if especially if you're traveling to Virginia to hunt a couple times throughout the year with waterfowl, deer, and turkey. I would imagine that uh, the deer hunting, uh, that's got to be really interesting with the terrain that you have. 
I know it's a little bit different in North Carolina, but with the rugged uh, mountainous terrain in Virginia, those must be some pretty spectacular deer hunts. Yep, yep. So we're uh, across the state of Virginia. We have almost 30, 30, 35,000 acres now that I manage and lease. And uh, we've got property all the way from Franklin County that's in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia um, that's got bear and deer opportunities with some grouse and some stock trout and turkey. And then all the way to Central Virginia, uh, we have stuff uh, that has great deer hunting that it, it becomes what they call the flatland. And that's uh, it's a little bit easier, but it's also tougher because you're taking these 1,000, 2,000 acre, acre tracks of timber and it's hard to lock down a deer that might be traveling down a hedgerow or cutting across to another farm. Um, he might take a different route, and uh, and it changes with the food sources that we have here. We have lots of white oak uh, still out in the Tidewater area. Uh, so this year we had a mass production that's been crazy with those white oak acorns. So the deer haven't had to get up very far to get a full belly and lay back down as they prepare for the winter. But um, uh, it's, uh, the deer hunting is a little bit of a challenge there in those mountains and the hills to, it's even a better challenge at killing a deer out here, rutting, going across the field. It's uh, a little bit harder to nail him down, but it makes the whitetail deer hunting pretty, pretty unique. I would, I would imagine that, uh, you can get some pretty sizable, I mean, with your, you got all that cropland out there and you got, you got the mountains and the trees and everything, grassland, meadows. But I would imagine with all the, the food sources, the corn, the wheat, and soybeans and everything, I mean, I can imagine you got some pretty, pretty decent-sized bucks out there. We do. We do. We have had, the last couple of years, we've had several 170, 180 class deer killed by our clients. Um, we've had a couple of our guides. Uh, they love hunting, too, and they end up hunting come December uh, with their families and have also harvested uh, mature deer. And um, we've had, like you said, a, it's been some really nice, some of them are wide, Texas-looking deer that have big old frames, 26, 27 inches wide, to that tight 18-inch rack that is just massive from the peanuts to the soybeans with that high protein, uh, make it some really unique racks here in Virginia. Folks, you're listening to Chip Watkins with Moncuin Creek Outfitters and Moncuin Creek Land Management out of Virginia. Certainly appreciate having Chip with us here. In our final minute or two, I just want to highlight a few more Pfeiffer's sales coming up here. 320 acres in Ransom County. You talk about waterfall hunting opportunities. Uh, one of my friends said this is a hunter's haven. has about a 60-acre uh, wetland in it, and it's surrounded by corn, soybean, and wheat ground. And then another one with a little creek running through it over here. This is all south of Nome, North Dakota in Ransom County. Big Pfeiffer's auction on November 29th at 10 a.m. That sale is going to be in Valley City. My, oh, my, what a great opportunity. If you want good cropland and good hunting land, waterfall, upland game, deer and pheasants and that one there folks you've been listening to america's land auctioneer chip again thank you for being with us i appreciate it you're welcome
Thank you. And we'll have you back, and we'll try and get you up here to do some uh, hunting with us sometime in North Dakota. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for sponsoring our show every Saturday morning and our podcasts on Apple and Spotify. You can get a hold of this great team at Pfeiffer's.com. Call them 877-700-4099 or email me at info at Pfeiffer's. The Pfeiffer's Farmland Farmland and Equipment Auctioneers, farm real estate agents and land managers will give you a free consultation. Nobody, nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll look forward to being with you next week.